Welcome to the Major League University Developmental Podcast. I am your host, Austin Byler. Today we bring another incredible guest onto the show ready to equip you with some actionable tools that you can implement into your life immediately. Major League University is a developmental baseball group focusing on the mental side of the game. Our mission is to help athletes and coaches of all backgrounds peak perform and maximize your life. Be sure to check us out at MajorLeagueUniversity.com and on all social media platforms at Major League University. I hope you find some value from this podcast that you can apply directly to your life. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Major League University Developmental Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Byler, and today we have an extremely special guest, one of my good friends and mentors, Cameron McMullen. He's the associate head coach at the University of Puget Sound. This dude's a doctor, so I might have to refer to him as the doc on this show, man, but PhD in educational leadership. Played college baseball guys at the University of Massachusetts. This dude's been well-rounded. He's been all over the place, summer ball places, uh, different. played for a lot of different head coaches throughout his years, and he's learned a lot. He's got a lot of insight on the game, and I'm super excited to bring you guys kind of his story and, and kind of give you some tools that you can use into your own game. If you're a coach, some coaching tools that you can use as well to help get the most out of your players and to help build leaders ultimately on the on the diamond and off the diamond, man. I mean, just really helping build the next generation of athletes through this podcast and through the insights of Cameron McMullen. So, Cam, welcome to the show, my man. I appreciate the invitation. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, man, of course. It's exciting to have you on. We've been talking about this for a while, but we finally made it happen. I know it's been it's been cool to kind of at least feel like somewhat involved from the uh, the beginning stages of what Major League University has become. So it's been really awesome to see where it started and where it's currently going and, you know, feeling just lucky to be involved in some way. So I appreciate you thinking of me. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Cameron and I, we, we were we were teammates. I would say teammates. He was one of our coaches at the University of Nevada. Um for about four years, man. And this dude, we had a lot of times in the dungeon. We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, <laughs> which is the weight room. Not to be fretting about anything, but hey, that's the weight room. We were getting it done. Um, but no, just spent a lot of good quality time together. He's really helped Major League University take a big leap in that in the right direction, really, um, to kind of get us in and launch us to some college programs. And it's been awesome to kind of just get to know you more, Cam, outside of baseball and, and really just pick your brain, man. You've got so much going on. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, man. Well, cool. Let's go ahead and start off by just taking us through your story, man. I know you play college baseball. You've been coaching for a while now. Take us through your story and kind of what led you to this position of being a, a college coach. Sure. I uh, grew up in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, went to Huntington Beach High School. Played two years at Golden West Junior College right here in Huntington. Um, you know, like you had Brought up a little earlier, finished my playing career at the University of Massachusetts, which, uh, you know, was, in my opinion, the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's a really unique opportunity when you're 3,000 miles away from mom and dad. There's some things you're going to have to learn on your own, some things you're going to have to handle on your own. And, um, you know, in my own opinion, it was the best decision I've made so far um, in my baseball career. And I'm so fortunate to have been able to be a part of uh, a lot of really unique things. Um, you know, after UMass had that decision that a lot of college baseball players do, um, is it time to explore professional baseball or is it time to think about what's next? And 
I'm probably a little unique. I never really grew up wanting to play in the big leagues. I've always grown up wanting to be a head coach and having that vision be so clear. Uh, it, it helps make decisions not easier, but a little simpler. So if you can kind of know what you want and where you want to go, it can help make some pretty difficult decisions seem much more manageable. So I had the opportunity to do my master's degree at USC in teaching. Um, that was a pretty cool experience that I definitely didn't want to miss out on. So after UMass, uh, took that opportunity at SC, did my student teaching, uh, did my credential, all that. Uh, had originally planned to be a high school history teacher and, and coach high school baseball and got into the class for my student teaching and thought, you know what, college is probably a little better my speed. So ended up getting that figured out pretty quickly. Um, after SC, was pretty lucky to, to get an awesome coaching job at Irvine, uh, Irvine Valley College and the Orange Empire Conference. Really the first opportunity to start recruiting you know, kind of figure out what I was about as a coach, get to be around some uh, really competitive baseball. And from there, that's when, you know, our time together started at the University of Nevada. And, you know, that probably had the most impact on, on who I am as a coach and what I believe as a coach. And, you know, like most coaches, that evolves almost daily, it seems like sometimes. But um, just the relationships I was lucky enough to be a part of, the coaches I was lucky enough to be around, um, you know, it's played a huge role in, in where I'm at now. Um, was lucky enough to have some people in the School of Education that were interested in um, what I was interested in studying, and that's what led to the opportunity to do my PhD. And without those professors showing the interest, you know, who knows if it would have even gotten to where it is now. So I'm very thankful for the belief they had and, you know, the vision they had and the help they gave me. Like I said, without them, you know, who knows what happens. But after Nevada, spent a year last year at Chapman University, an awesome year, uh, you know, first real time to, to start recruiting and, and start to hone a lot of the things that I had been learning. Uh, really fortunate to be a part of an awesome team, won a conference championship, went to a regional, you know, finished um, finished a really awesome season in a great spot as far as national rankings go, which led to where I'm at now. Uh, the situation of getting to be associate head coach at the University of Puget Sound. So um, you know how coaching can be. Things can change pretty quickly. So you got to just kind of be ready for, for whatever's thrown at you. And, you know, luckily I've had people in my life, whether it be parents, my wife, um, or whoever, that have just been so supportive in making this happen. Because without that, there's, uh, there's no telling where I'd be. <laughs> no, definitely, man. I mean, Cam, I told you before the show, I said, hey, this could go any which way. And just after hearing more of your story, man, more in depth, I want to go so many different directions that it just brings up so many thoughts in my mind, man. But let's go ahead and start with kind of just what it means to, to be a coach and the type of discipline that it takes for you. I mean, you went back, you got your master's, then you got your PhD, which is incredible. And I watched you grind this out for years. So maybe it's a little more biased on my part, seeing it firsthand, see how much work you put in because you were at the field all day long and you were, you weren't like the main head coach. You weren't somebody who's really making all of the decisions, but you played one of the biggest roles on the team. And now kind of where you're at, you're the associate head coach. Um, you have a lot of say, I got to witness that this last fall here, uh, actually in January 
with you guys down there at Puget Sound. And to see you in action cam, to see your growth has been incredible. It's been really just eye-opening to me to see how much you've learned over the years and how you connect with players. I mean, you get out there, you really know the player's best interest at heart. They listen to you. They take to what you have to say, and they're bought in. You know, they want to get better. They want to get to that next level. So let's talk about the discipline. Like, what kind of discipline does that take as a coach? Maybe for some of these guys who are um, maybe some graduate assistants out there still pursuing their masters, they eventually want to be a head coach one day, but they aren't really sure if it's worth it to grind out these dog days where you're not getting paid, you're not getting any of the money financially, and it's really tough to really dig down and stick with it. Let's talk about the discipline, man. What kind of discipline does that take? Yeah, it's a great question, and, and I appreciate you saying all those things. And, and probably the word that I think is most appropriate is sacrifice. And I think that's going to be a little different for each coach in each situation, because um, quite simply, it's you know to what level of sacrifice do you want to make, and that's going to be a little bit different in each context, whether it be high school level, Division One, professional baseball, whatever the case may be, and. Uh, in my situation, I was willing to sacrifice a lot. Um, you know, it's time with your family. It's social lives. There's about three years there probably where, you know, a pretty routine day was, I'd say, probably 5, 6 a.m. to, you know, 1 or 2 a.m., something like that. And, you know, I don't say that for pity or anything. That's just kind of what my life had become. I got so used to it. And, I mean, you can even remember being on those trips where, you know, we would do the leave Thursday to play the weekend series and generally play the Monday or Tuesday midweek on the back end. I mean, I would just have to fly home by myself for class on Monday and Tuesday. It just, it was kind of, it just got to a point where it was all I knew. So I didn't really think anything of it. And, you know, looking back, there's been some people that have, you know, kind of shared thoughts and, um, you know, ideas and concerns and all that and I, I tell them it was pretty simple I just had something that I was interested in doing and really wanted to do and I just did it <laughs> I wish there was some sort of grand story behind it but it was just kind of that simple I had a pretty clear idea of you know wanting to be a collegiate head coach and this was something that was going to hopefully put me in a good situation to be able to do that so you know the real important part of this whole thing is having you know, coaches that let me do it, but without Gary Powers, TJ Bruce, Jay Johnson, there's no way I would have been able to do it without them giving me the ability to do so and kind of understanding that it was a unique situation. But like I said, without them and without the relationship we had and without the ability to kind of accept the situation I had, there's no way it would have gotten done. So it's not just a, you know, one person thing. There's a lot of people that have say in what you're doing and have the ability to influence in some ways. And I've been really lucky to be around some pretty awesome coaches who have been very accommodating of that. So more than anything, I think it's just having a clear idea of what you want to sacrifice. And, you know, some, some coaches don't want to sacrifice family time. And I respect that some coaches don't want to sacrifice vacation time. And that's cool. That's no big deal. It's just whatever you're interested in doing. And that was a point in my life. And, Truthfully, I'm still there where I, I like sacrificing for something I love doing. And so um, that's probably the biggest bit to pass along is, is just kind of 
sitting down, figuring out what you are and are not willing to sacrifice, and then kind of planning accordingly from there. Oh, man, that's big stuff right there, man. I mean, you had a clear vision, and that's kind of what sticks out to me. You sacrificed everything for your vision, but to start, like, going through college, going through high school, like, into your coaching career, you had a clear vision, and you still do of where you want to be. You want to be a, a head coach. You want to lead a program. You want to get to the College World Series. You want to win the College World Series. Sorry, not just get there. I'm, I'm calling you as a winner one day. <laughs> it's going to happen, and I hope I'm a part of that squad in any way possible. But just knowing that you had a clear vision set out in front of you, that is so key for any athlete, for any coach out there, for anybody in this world. If we don't have a clear vision, how are we going to get to the next destination? And now you've learned – that by having that clear vision, now it's time to sacrifice the things you love with your family. You have an amazing family, man, and you have amazing friends. But you had to sacrifice a ton of time. I remember just going in the weight room, um, maybe before a game or after a game, and you're just you just look tired, man. You were grinding. You were like, I'm up all night studying. I've got this test. I've got to coach you guys. I got to get spread. I got to do this, that, and this. <laughs> and to see the amount that you sacrificed for us, the players, to make our experience as good as it possibly could be. It's so heartwarming, man, and, and I'll forever be grateful for you as a coach and for what you've done for our careers, and, and particularly mine as well, man. So that's awesome, but just knowing your clear vision, man, that's, that's what it gets down to, is knowing what you want in your life, going after it, and attacking that relentlessly, not letting anybody or anything get in your way of your vision. Get out there, do what you were meant to do and what you believe you can do. So I'm pumped for you, man. It's going to happen for you. Um, no doubt. I appreciate that, and, and the one caveat to all that is you know it's probably more of a cut and dry way of looking at it but one that I think so you know rings pretty true is um you know whenever someone in the coaching world gets credit for being a great coach usually you can look and and see a lot of great players that you know help that coach reach whatever goal whatever vision things along those lines so you know hopefully as people listen and, and hear about the long hours and things like that that's not something I was being forced to do. That was something I really enjoyed doing. And it becomes a lot better when you're around, you know, great coaches, great players who make things a lot easier. So, you know, from that side of it, it was not a, you know, a negative thing. It was actually the complete opposite. It was all I wanted to be doing and was very fortunate enough that, like I said, there were people that let me do it. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Bother Bomb Show. I hope you're enjoying today's podcast. Just want to give a quick shout out to some of our sponsors. Harmony Bats, just an amazing bat company out of Charleston, South Carolina. Really just in it for the greater good of the communities, getting into communities, helping that next generation of athletes find some peace, find some love, find some happiness in their game, and just bringing that fun back to baseball. It's amazing to see what they're doing throughout the world, working on some amazing projects, and I'm excited to see what they have coming up next. Check out HarmonyBats.com and use code BILER to receive over 10% off your next order. And then we've got the Positive Vibe Movement. This is just an amazing movement as well, really helping raise awareness for mental health. Um, mental health is so close to my heart and so dear to my heart that I just love this movement. I love what they're about, really helping raise awareness. Everybody's going through a struggle. Everybody has a story, and they're just really trying to help everybody in this world, help them find peace, find love, and find happiness as well. So go check out the positivevibemovement.com. Use code BILER to receive over 10% off of your next order. Yeah, you got the opportunity and you made the most of it. And, and going off of that, Cam, this leads into 
something that kind of sparked in my mind, but what happens when you get an opportunity? How do you make the most of an opportunity? I know there's athletes who maybe they've got an opportunity to walk onto a university and, and the university has kept them on the roster. Well, that's your opportunity to show what you have or a coach even like getting an opportunity to be a graduate assistant or an assistant head coach or, or a pitching coach or whatever that may be. You've got an opportunity to make the most out of what you have. So how do you make the most out of your opportunities that are given to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a really unique question. And I think more than anything, being prepared is somewhat of a cliche way of phrasing it, but taking it to another level, it's being so prepared with a specific plan, whether it be, you know, you're a young coach and, and the most that you get is working with the base runners, whether you're a pitching coach who gets your first crack to handle a pitching staff, whether you're a young coach who gets your first opportunity to be a recruiting coordinator, look at it as if you are a head coach. And that was probably the best mm. advice I've ever been given early on was look at everything like you're the head coach. So if you're getting your first opportunity to take over the recruiting, sit down and figure out what areas you want to recruit. What type of player do you want? What type of team do you want to build? How are you going to communicate with coaches? Is everyone going to be involved or is it just each person is going to be involved with a specific area, whatever the case may be. But I think most coaches kind of go in and I was fully guilty of this. You get in and then you put your plan together kind of once you get in and rolling. Well, if you can do that work on the front end, you're going to be in a much better position to kind of just jump right into it rather than have to figure things out for a little bit and then move right into it. And there's always going to be a, a little learning curve. Everyone understands that. Everyone is aware of that. So the more thought you can put together on the front end, whether it be something as basic as, you know, a development plan for base dealers or something as big as, you know, fundraising or a team dinner, whatever the case may be, there's a lot of room in between. But uh, the more clear, uh, the more precise, the more accurate everything can be on the front end, I think you're going to put yourself in a much better position to make quick adjustments rather than get into the job and then kind of have to figure out things, uh, you know, at that position. Definitely, man. So just basically preparing yourself for that situation, preparing yourself for that next leap, right? And then getting in there and being ready to go when your opportunity arises. Because I'm sure you didn't know when it was going to arise. I mean, who knows? It, it's crazy how life works and it's crazy where these opportunities pop up. But a lot of them pop up from knowing people who trust you. And I think that's a true credit to who you are as a person and as a coach. They know that you're they're getting somebody who prepares, who's ready to go, who wants and is hungry for that next level, that next sacrifice and that next challenge. So what makes a great leader, Cam? I mean, you've got a PhD in educational leadership, and I hope I don't put you on the spot with this, but you're doing some amazing things at UW as well, coaching some some educational leadership classes. So what makes a great leader, man? How, what have you noticed throughout your career? Yeah, and that's truthfully the question that has kind of – consumed my brain for the better part of my adult life that was the, that was the question that led to you know some of the interest in wanting to do the research um, at Nevada and, and again being very thankful that there were uh, some professors that were willing to help me out and, and make sure that I was able to pursue that but more than anything I've always been fascinated with the question of 
you know, how do people understand leadership, whether that's, uh, you know, a high school JV coach or, a, you know, a professional third base coach, whatever the case may be. It's um, it, it truly is a question that leaves so much variety and so much room for interpretation. But for me, more than anything, leadership is about balance. And what I mean by that is communication is important. But if you over communicate something, you're going to have players that don't listen to you. If you under communicate it, no one's going to know what's going on. You got to find the balance with those two. Um, discipline, super important. But if you treat every little infraction like it's the end of the world, you're going to have players that aren't comfortable being themselves and feel like they're walking on eggshells. But if you're not disciplined enough, then you're going to have players that walk over you. It's balancing every sort of component that goes into leadership. And um, when you're looking at it from a coach's perspective, um, whether you're a head coach, uh, whether you're an assistant coach, all the way down to someone just getting started, you're going to be in charge of something. It might not be the whole program, but it's going to be something. And the earlier you kind of understand that whatever you're in charge of is your responsibility to whatever degree you want it to be. That's going to be your first kind of learning lesson. It's something I still battle, you know, as a young coach wanting to be a head coach and thinking that, you know, I'm not the boss, so I don't have say, I don't have responsibility. It's something I have to kind of catch myself and snap myself out of it a little bit because there's so many ways to influence and there's so many ways to, to contribute as a leader that if you get stuck in kind of battling your ego, which I'm human, man, I do it all the time. Uh, As do I. You're going to get, yeah, you're going to miss out on some amazing opportunities that, um, that are valuable. And if you are a player more than anything, I would really advise, figure out what your preferred quote unquote leadership style is. Are you vocal? Are you more of a lead by example? Are you able to influence teammates? There's so many ways to be able to contribute that figuring out the best way to do that and then perfecting that is going to give you such an advantage as you develop as a leader. It's such an important piece of team chemistry, championships, culture, things along those lines. Unfortunately, it gets so neglected because we're just as coaches we're programmed to think in bunt defenses and bp rounds and things like that and there's nothing wrong they're so important but i think sometimes when we neglect the leadership piece it's really easy to just say how important leadership is but if you don't take the time to educate if you don't take the time to practice it how are guys supposed to get better it's not going to happen so i think there needs to be a real emphasis in the same way that player development involves swings and breaking down video and things like that. I think just as important is again, something you're spearheading right now with the mental game is, is leadership development and understanding that team leadership is different than captain leadership. Those two are completely separate things. They have some similarities, but some really big differences. And if you're not able to understand the differences in both of those, then that's a huge piece of development that's being left out. You know what I mean? Oh, I completely agree with you, man. And you hit the nail on the head there. The team versus captain leadership. What does it look like? How do we get these guys to perform at the highest level? And how do you really develop leaders? And you mentioned influence. And I think that's such a key term 
that is maybe undervalued or underused in the leadership development world because all great leaders have influence of some sort. If you're a lead by example guy, well, you have influence by your routine and by showing up and by doing the right thing. Well, if you're a lead by voice guy, you have influence by your voice. Like people listen to you. They want to, they're attracted to you. They listen to what you have to say and they're going to abide by it and, and, and do whatever they can for you. So something that you even brought up, man, with, with what we're doing with Major League University and, and we came there or I came there in uh, J- January to kind of help your guys out and then just get down to the leadership part and the confidence part and what makes great teams click. And I think it was awesome. It was a great experience. It was so much fun and, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity, but I think that it needs to be kind of carried out longer, if that makes sense. Not just a one-time thing, come in there for a couple of days and then you leave, but it's something that needs to be practiced. And I think that as coaches and as players, we need to practice this side of the game. We need to really work on this because it's so key. It's so crucial to our development as people in this world. If we can master our mind and truly understand leadership and how we can get the most out of ourselves, we're going to be the best player for our team. And then we can really, really impact the team in the best and most positive light. So kind of how important is that, Cam, as, as a coach, to continue the leadership and to always lead by example and to really hit on that throughout the year, not just for maybe a specific time period. Yeah, it's, it's, it's vital in my opinion. And and again, I'm a little biased because leadership is is a huge piece of my life. And and I understand that, you know, to some coaches, it might not be as important and that's okay. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just, kind of like I said understanding what you're about what your vision is and and to me leadership is my life and um, so I think it's a really big deal and um, it's something that is a daily thing and I think as coaches again I am fully guilty of it when we're putting together a practice plan we think in terms of Bundy and BP rounds and those are all really important but you know how important is it if we get into a game and our players have no ability to think for themselves because we've laid everything out for them and then we need them to make really split second decisions in the middle of the game and they get tense and nervous and can't operate mentally. Did we maybe set them back because we laid everything out for them? That's probably up to interpretation. You know, so much of developing leadership is giving players an opportunity to have say in what we do, have say in where the program goes, have say in what is working and what's not working. It's hard as a coach to give up control to players that might not be ready for it. It's a really intimidating thing, and I get that. But it's the only way they're going to grow is if they're able to have influence and they're able to make mistakes and they're able to learn from them because it's such a unique thing planning every aspect of their lives from the type of workouts they're doing to what conditioning is to what their BP rounds are and then putting them in the game and just trusting that they're going to be able to do things on their own when they've never had to. It's a very unique thing. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it's something that takes a lot of trust. And more importantly, I think the issue comes down to recruiting. You need to be able to recruit guys from the start that can handle that independence, that can handle that freedom And part of that is doing the work on the front end, seeing what motivates them. What are they about? What high school program do they come from? Uh, Were they well coached? Did they play on winning teams? What are their parents like? It's all stuff that's so important to know because these are your players two, three, four years down the road. And if you're able to see a lot of really important things early on, 
then that's only going to get heightened. It's going to get developed, and it's just going to make sure that you're putting yourself in a great situation down the road. Because one of the things we talk about all the time, and I really believe this, is excuse me, at a certain point in the season, the team has to become the players. If you're going to get to where the maximum level of performance is, it has to become the players' team to the point where coaches should essentially just, in my own opinion, make the lineup and tell a player if he's going to score on a base hit, you know, something along those lines, because the players have the trust, the belief, the confidence to make decisions, to be able to execute on their own and to be able to put each other in position to solve problems, make decisions and put the team in the best position. I understand that's a, a pretty unique thing to be able to have, but I'm sure if you, kind of think back to the championship teams you've been lucky enough to be a part of they were probably pretty player driven and um, it takes a little bit more work and a little more time and a little more structure but in my own opinion I think it's the best thing to put the team in the best position to succeed no that's so spot on man giving the players the autonomy to to have some influence on the team and to really help make decisions as well because they're the ones that are on the battleground man like you can, like you said, you can lay out the most perfect plan. Everything can look and be structured to a T, and then you get in the game, and everybody's looking around like, "Well, what do I do now?" Because I've never experienced that before. And I think just setting these guys up for success and giving them a little bit of authority on the team to make decisions and to really have some influence with each other and with the coaching staff. Say, "Hey, coach, maybe I didn't like that drill, and here's why. Can you kind of elaborate on that and why we're doing this?" Or maybe just ask more questions to the coaching staff and get a more of a feel for it and just kind of see their point of view and why they want you to do what they're asking you to do. And then we can kind of relate and have a conversation and, and get to the bottom of it. I think that makes great teams. And, and as you mentioned, when you look back on some of the best teams that you played for, for me, when we played my senior season at Nevada, I mean, the players had a lot of autonomy under coach Johnson and, and all of y'all. It was a great experience because we were able to bring up our questions, our concerns, different ideas and different things that we thought could make our team even better. And they listened. It wasn't like, all right, bye. They're like, shut up and get out of here. <laughs> you know, like shut the door in your <laughs> face. I know, I know all type of deal. No, it wasn't a dictatorship. It was a team environment. And that gave us so much more confidence on the field, knowing that we could say, hey, coach, what do you got on this? Or what do you got on that? Or, or what about this situation? What are you thinking? Did I make the right decision? Did I not? Do I need to do this or that? And that's so big for team development and just helping your team maximize its performance on the field. Um, you hit that spot on, man. It's, it's so true. So kind of like leading into that, man, how do you handle the modern-day player? There's so much technology. There's so much stuff out there, and uh, it's it could be overwhelming, quite frankly. And how do you handle the modern-day player, and what do you do to kind of help them stay locked in on the task at hand? Sure. It's... There's no doubt with with all the information that's out there, I think players are much more informed um, than maybe they have been in the past. And what I mean by that is I think as a coach and for someone who's humble and and learning and been around the, the right mentor coaches, it's not really a big deal. But if you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to get exposed because players are so much smarter. They have access to so much more information that, you know, a lot of the why questions they have are backed with data. They're backed with scientific research. They're backed with 
um, peer reviewed articles, there's been such a huge jump with a lot of the scientifically driven research as far as bio- biomechanics, as far as um, player development, that I think it puts coaches in a really tough spot if you're not humble, if you're not willing to hear different thoughts and ideas and perspectives. Um, you know, I'm sure there are coaches out there who still probably lean a little bit more towards old school, and that's great. If you recruit the right players and that's what they want, then awesome. That that at the end of the day is the most important thing is what's your vision and then what players can help go about making that happen. And if that's more old school, then awesome. That's great. If that's more new school, great. If it's a balance somewhere in between, that's awesome. It's not a right or wrong thing in my opinion. It's just kind of a preference thing. And I think sometimes as coaches, the biggest issue that sometimes we run into is not knowing what we want. And then when we don't know what we want, the players certainly don't know what we want. And then everyone's kind of on different frequencies and that's when you get yourself into a tough spot. So I think more than anything with as informed as players are, it just kind of goes back to, you know, what my own belief is. They have to have more say in things. And that doesn't mean that whatever plan they put together, we just do. There's a a very thorough process and there's, edits there's revisions there's discussions it's you know at the end of the day we're willing to hear what players have to say what their thoughts are uh, you know what direction they want to go but that's still going to be a head coach's decision to move forward this way or move forward that way Uh, you know because one thing that I'm sure most people can relate with it's it's a lot easier to commit 100% to something that you had a real thorough say in rather than something that's kind of just forced on you, you know, and you might do it for a little bit, but as soon as it doesn't work, then, you know, I'm sure you can figure out what happens there, complaining, talking behind people's back. It's just a bad situation. So I think the more involved people can be on the front end, the easier the process becomes. Um, And then at that point, when something doesn't work out, everyone can take accountability for it. Everyone knows that they've shared responsibility and something not working and you have less blame, you have less finger pointing, you have a much more cohesive effort to solve the problem rather than a small percentage of guys trying to fix it and the rest just laughing that it didn't work. And that might be a little bit extreme, but I'm sure it exists on some teams. So I think it's really unique where we're at as coaches. And, you know, I've always been very interested with the term millennial and what it brings up. And um, I've liked reading about it, the research books, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, I think it's awesome that that kids nowadays want to be more involved in in discussion and coaching and vision and and culture. It's an awesome thing because it's a really unique advantage to problem solving when you have so many different experiences, you have so many different ideas. And I think the biggest challenge is, can you put your ego aside and can you understand that your idea might get shot down and I am fully right there. No one likes to have their hard work critiqued and evaluated and told why it's not going to work. It's a hard thing to do. And, and I battle that every single day. It's really difficult, but if you want to be able to make sure that you're putting the best plan together, then I think it's almost impossible to do it with only one set of eyes seeing the issue. So the more people you can get involved, the more creativity you're going to have. And, and ultimately, I would say the better plan you're going to put in place. 
Yeah, that's great advice, man. Just being able to have multiple eyes on it because some people may see it differently than you and in a good way or a bad way. And then that allows the conversation to take place to where now we can develop the right process and the right plan of action to get us to that next level, get our team performing to where it's capable of. And I think the biggest thing that really separates these athletes today is the mental side and and maybe it's distractions or maybe it's just not taking care of your body the right way or, or really educating yourself on the mental side and how important it can be to your gameplay and ultimately be the, the make or break in getting to the professional level. Um, I think it's big time, man. And, and to be able to help these athletes just, just feel ready to play, feel good about themselves, have that autonomy to go out there and know that their coach trusts them and trusts everything that they can do. And if they make a mistake, it's all right, man. Like We'll learn from it. We'll chop it up, we'll talk about it, and then we'll move on and get to the next play, get to the next pitch and the next at-bat. And that gives guys so much more confidence rather than just yelling at them and, and who knows what kind of words are coming out of your mouth at some point. It's sure. all being in the game, obviously, and, and it's kind of crazy to hear both ends. For me, I like to spectate, and, and I'm an observer when I go to games now and just watch, and I like to watch how head coaches handle the team. And not just head coaches, but the whole spectrum and I went to a college game this last weekend and it was really crazy to me to see that there was two completely different styles and two different energies per team and it was obvious to see which team was going to come out on top and what do you know the team that I thought was going to win obviously won came out swinging and, and did a really good job but it all started from the top down the head coach wasn't slumping his shoulders when something went wrong or mother effing somebody or throwing a clipboard or throwing something kicking something no, they were, they were handling it professionally. They were stern, but they had a, a sense of confidence about them. And then on the other hand, it was one guy gets a hit, next guy walks, and the head coach put his head down, kicking the dirt around, slumping his shoulders, and players feed off of that, man. Like, we watch. Like, I'm looking in the dugout every play because, at one, I need to get and understand the signs. Two, I'm just checking things out. And if I see my head coach dipping his shoulders and, and sulking in his own sweat – it really makes me less in tune with myself and, and, and less motivated to really like, go out there and play my hardest for, for him. So I think just knowing that as coaches, you have such a big opportunity in front of you, man, like to impact these guys and to really make their experience the best experience possible. Um, but Cam, let's move on into the mental side of the game, man. How important is the mental side of the game? I know we've hit on it a little bit, but, but ultimately in the grand spectrum of things, how important is the mental side of the game and, What's your take on it? Yeah, man, I think it's it's vital. It's a huge piece of, um, you know, performance. It's a huge piece of development. I think the one kind of misconception, and I might be, I might be alone on this one, but I think sometimes um, the mental game can get a little misevaluated. And what I mean by that is, I think sometimes young kids might interpret the mental game being the only thing that matters where there has to be some physical ability to what you're doing. And then the mental game is what helps elevate. It's, you know, sometimes I feel like I uh, have conversation with people and it's, you know, I read heads up baseball. I read the mental ABCs of pitching, but I'm not developing. It's like, well, <laughs> that's just reading those books is not going to, you know, push things along. It will certainly help, but there's a physical piece that needs to go along with it. So I think that's a really important distinction is knowing that it is vital that you read Heads Up Baseball. It is vital that you read the Mental ABCs of Pitching, all these amazing resources. But it is just as vital that you're 
bullpenning is just as vital that you're still lifting weights. It's still vital that you're developing athleticism. It's still vital that you can hit a breaking ball to the opposite field. Those are all their equal importance, in my opinion. Now, as you make your way up into Division One baseball, professional baseball, that might shift a little bit. You know, at that point, everyone's pretty developed. Everyone is really competitive, and, and now the mental might shift importance where, you know, that's going to be the one thing that really takes you to another level. And, um, you know, you can probably speak more to that having played in professional baseball and gone through that route. So I'll kind of defer that to you. But more than anything, I think the most important part of the mental game for each person is figuring out what you need to do to get yourself prepared to play, where win, loss, tie, rain out, whatever the case may be, you know that if you do this routine, you know that if you visualize in this capacity, you know that if you prepare this way, you're going to be putting yourself in the best position to be possible, uh, possibly successful. And um, I've never really been superstitious. So, you know, <laughs> as far as that goes, I, I, I've never really been a put, you know, one shoe on before the other or wear this certain thing that way. So, you know, it's been a little unique for me. But, you know, if you can take the time to figure out what you need to do to prepare, you know, what do you need to eat to feel full throughout the game? What time do you need to show up at the field to be able to get your uniform on to maybe get some cage work in before you get there to maybe be able to not feel rushed while you're getting dressed? You know, how many swings do you need to take before the game to not feel so tired going into BP that now you're setting yourself back for that? Uh, you know, how much catch do you need to play before the game so you're not draining your arm before you even get into infield outfield. I think it's, there's so much that goes into it and there's so many small things that I think guys tend to fixate on too much. For example, you know, maybe during BP, a mechanical thing might be off, but what you find out later is that kid hasn't eaten anything all day and he just physically can't even get his body to swing the way that he wants. Or maybe, you know, a guy doesn't have the command that he wants in a bullpen and you find out that he failed a midterm and is in danger of not passing the class. There's, there's so many things that go into performance that go into development that I think it's sometimes really easy as a coach. And, and again, totally guilty of it myself of just thinking he's not focused today. Let's kick him out of practice and, and try again tomorrow. It's like, well, there might be a whole lot more going on that we don't know about. And if you're not willing to build relationships and, take the time to understand that and if you don't know that weeks in advance then I think that's a missed opportunity to get out ahead of something rather than dealing with it after the fact so it's something that's so important for development especially as you get higher and higher into amateur baseball and then up into professional baseball but more than anything everyone's routine everyone's preparation everyone's um ability to feel ready to be confident is going to be a little unique for everyone. And the quicker you can figure that out, the better position you're going to be in. Absolutely, man. You hit the nail on the head there. I mean, just you really hit one thing that I love to talk about and in, in, in all the content that I've been pushing out, man, and that's building relationships. I think it's very undervalued. I think nowadays everybody wants something so quick and all these quick fixes that that you think you can just get overnight and it's not going to happen. Let me tell you firsthand, and I'm sure you'd say the exact same thing, obviously, with being a PhD and, and now where you're at 
as an associate head coach and, and you're so close to that level, but you're still not where you want to be yet. And it's taken years. And that's the thing is a lot of people don't want to wait out the grind. It's like a shark in the waters, man. You see a shark moving around and, and the shark just lurks. He lurks, he lurks until it's time to attack. And a lot of people are just the seals. They just hop off the wood plank and they just float through the water and then they get devoured. And it's kind of sad to see, but it's kind of what our society is turning into because I think technology and just the, the false perception that we put on ourselves of, hey, I can do this overnight. I can do this right now. And I fall into the victim myself, man. I want everything to be where I want it to be in the future right now. And it's just not possible. I can't go speak yeah. to 50 colleges tomorrow. It's not going to happen. But if you keep putting in the work, you keep grinding it, you keep focusing on it, it's going to help you. And I think the most important part of the mental side of the game that kind of got brought up in my mind when you were talking was developing a routine. I mean, you talk about the throws before a game or how many swings do I need? What, how do I get myself ready for the game? And a lot of players don't even know. They just sit on their phone and they go through Twitter and then that just sparks something else in their mind where they see a bad tweet or somebody's hating on them or whatever it is. And now their mind's totally distracted from the task at hand. And I think finding the right routine for you day in and day out that's going to help you peak perform is essential and crucial to your development as an athlete. It's so big, and it's something that I don't think we put enough importance on. Um, and that's just, man, it's, it's a big part of my life and a big part of just the game nowadays, really trying to raise awareness for that. Um, but Cam, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Let's go ahead and get to our last question that I have for you, man. I know you mentioned it earlier. You want to be a you want to be a head coach, and that's ultimately your final goal, and, and that's where you want to be. But what is your dream, man? Like if you had your dream situation, and, and you don't have to name a school or anything, but just kind of an area or or a team that you were in charge of. Like, what is your dream situation as a head coach? Yeah, man. It's it's been the same dream for as long as I can remember. I've uh, you know, I've grown up a, a USC Trojan fan. I actually uh, did my master's there. My father taught there. Um, you know, USC has been a part of my life for literally as long as I can remember. And, you know, the one dream I've, I've always had is to become the head coach at USC one day. And uh, is that likely? I don't know. Is it possible? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but, uh, all I can tell you is that will uh, that will be the quote-unquote carrot that's always dangling in front of me. And, um, you know, that dream is way too far away to even kind of be trying to reach for. There's, there's some things that are a little more immediate that are probably more on the horizon that I think, um, you know, would benefit from, from making sure that every detail is thought through those, every uh, course of action is thought through those. And, and so for the time being, that's going to be a really important step towards that goal. But, you know, I, I feel like as I've gotten older, matured a little bit, you know, at once it was the mentality where if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be a failure. <laughs> and, you know, obviously you, you reflect and you learn and you get around, some really unbelievable coaches and see how hard it actually is. Um, you know, there are some other uh, awesome goals I have along the way, but, you know, more than anything, that's going to always be the, the the shining star, so to speak. And, you know, as long as I am able to chase that dream, that's, that's what it's going to be. So, you know, maybe that will be a, a podcast number 1500 to 2000 down the road. If that ever works itself out, then <laughs> be happy to come full circle on it. But, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's always been the goal. It always will be the goal. And, you know, uh, whether that's the immediate focus right now is, is probably another discussion. But, 
for the time being, that's going to be the, the end all be all just as it has since I've been probably in middle school. So it, it's probably unique. Not a lot of kids, I'd say, grow up wanting to be the head baseball coach at USC, probably more firefighter or pilot or whatever the case may be. But hey, man, that's where I'm at. So that's what I got for you. <laughs> no, I love it, man. You've had this dream since you were a little kid and you've watched the Trojans your whole life. You attended there. Um, you've been to the university. It's something that's close to your heart. And it's it's something that's amazing to know that you have a dream that you're not wavering from. Most people would have said, well, they would have given the cliche, like, I just want to be a head coach and have a good program with good coaches and this and that. But now you know exactly where you want to be, man. And you may not be there for 25 years. You may not ever get there. But you've got a vision. You've got a goal. You've got something that you want to achieve by the time you're done as a coach in this world. And, and the thing that's incredible to me is you are impacting so many lives that you don't even know you're impacting. I mean, 25 dudes at least. And when I went to Puget Sound, there's about 40 of them and I was taken off guard. I thought I was walking in to like 25, maybe 20. And there's over 40 kids in that room. And so you've impacted over 40 kids just about every year that you've been around them. And to have the opportunity to keep on progressing through this coaching cycle that some of us, you know, it's, I mean, all of us actually know how grueling it can be because it's not easy. Just like the NCAA rules that were going on um, on that voting a couple of weeks ago and, and just trying to get some more money for some of the assistant guys, man, and, and seeing how much work they put in and the time that you put in every single day. I mean, from the dungeon, like we talked about earlier, just getting the lift in, man, and being able to have great conversations early on about where you want to be and, and what you want to do in your career and achieve. You've got to have goals. You've got to have visions. And that's something that we love to talk about, man. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm so pumped for you, Cam. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was incredible to have you on here to be able to share your wisdom, share some tools for athletes and coaches and just people in general to develop leaders, to develop the mental side of their life, to really help take them to that next level in whatever career it is they choose. We know that baseball is going to end one day for all of us, no matter when it is, and we need to be prepared. I think having a backup plan and just having a plan of action in general is so big for our development, man. So, Cam, thanks so much for coming on, my man. No problem. Happy to help out anytime, and um, you know, look forward to seeing where this whole uh, major league university goes from here. Like I said, it's been really cool to kind of it had been shed a little light on it when it was just an idea, and you know, now here we are moving into the the next step of, of development, and um, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. Not just because it's a, I think, a really valuable thing, but because you've been such a good friend over the years and will continue to be moving forward. So I'm happy to help however I can. And um, if there's anything else I can do, just let me know. You're a legend, Cam. Thank you, my man. No problem, buddy. See ya.